Did you see the paper magazine cover story about Amanda Bynes? I read it this morning. I did too. Because it was in the skim. Yeah, same. <laughs> That's exactly why <laughs> I read it. Otherwise I never probably would have seen it. Um, what a comeback. I, I, I hope. I hope. I really she, do. She really seems to be so cleaned up yeah. and adult about her life. She's like, I made some terrible tragic mistakes yeah. that I am deeply embarrassed by. Well, she and I are the same age. Right. And so it gives me hope because I would think if you can't acknowledge that by the time you're 32, you might not acknowledge it. Yeah. Or it might be well, a while. And, and many celebrities do not. Correct. Um, um, poor Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. Still, I don't even know. Yeah. Hunter and so, just loves her so much. Oh, and, I'm like, and I don't get I it. Just, we can't. I don't get it. But I... I really hope... I want the best for her. I do too. Do and think, I... Go ahead. Do you think the best for her is acting? No. I think the best for her is probably fashion. That's what I think. But she yeah. said she wants to focus on acting. She wants to like... She knows that long term she wants to get into fashion. Did you see the pictures? Like I thought the pictures were great. And that was, shirt she designed. I was going to say, like the top she was wearing that she designed looked so good. And she looks so great. She does. Um, and healthy. Healthy. Um... I, I felt warm. Yes. Reading the whole article. I read it and thought, okay, because you actually acknowledged yeah. that she behaved poorly. Uh-huh. You're embarrassed um, by it. She's four years sober. Yes. Um, says that she just got caught up in some stuff. I also like that she addressed issues because the paparazzi was really yeah. big on her mental health. Absolutely. And she kind of, and who knows, Yeah. but at least according to her, I think she really was trying to set the record straight that no, nope, it that was, was just false drugs. information. That was drugs. I wasn't who I was. I wasn't me. Yeah. I mean, she had an addiction to Adderall, essentially, yeah. and was chewing them and eating chewing them like them. candy. And then, and I do appreciate, like, her acknowledging, look, maybe smoking marijuana works for some people, but for me, it was really it bad for me. My, yeah, it right. altered my personality. And um, I was like, oh, finally, something to be honest and refreshing. Yeah, absolutely. And I also liked her opening up about watching She's the Man for the first time. Uh-huh. And how seeing herself as a boy in that movie really broke something inside of her. I thought that was fascinating. That put her into a deep depression for, like, she said four to six months. Yeah. That she, like, couldn't figure out, like, what was wrong. Which makes me, makes me sad, too, because I liked that movie. <laughs> I haven't seen it in years, but, like, she was essentially experiencing gender dysphoria. Yeah. Um, that made her deeply depressed. Didn't and then like she, who she was. And she turned to drugs. Yeah. Like to like numb herself to that pain. Yeah, it was so sad. Well, that and that's what was interesting too. Like this wasn't somebody who got on drugs like while during her Nickelodeon years. Right. Like you know, like a lot of child no. And she even said like I didn't try drugs till I was sixteen. I didn't. Yeah. She didn't drink a whole lot. Didn't, she didn't party till she, she was twenty five. Twenty five. Yeah. That was astounding to me. Yeah. I was like, oh gosh, you'd think by twenty five. Right. I don't know, but I think she was really confused based on those a couple of movie roles. She yeah. mentioned she's the man, and she mentioned one other one. Um, Easy A. Yeah, where she did not like how she looked. Right. She went to the um, the screening, yes. and she said she was high at the screening, and just like couldn't get past how bad her own performance was, yes. and like quit acting. Yeah. It was so sad. It was. Um, but I really loved reading this yeah. this piece. It made me feel so good and hopeful about I'm, something. I'm reading for Amanda. Me too. Amanda, please. Welcome to episode 200. 200. Of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. 
My name is Chris Jensen, and I am relishing this. And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. Looks like we made it. Looks like we made it. And so, big milestone episode. We made it to 200. Um, Another big milestone, we reached our 200th Patreon supporter this week. Yay! And so... How full circle is that? So full circle. 200, 200. 200 people care. 200 people care. <laughs> I, I guess it's no, more than that. No, it is, it is definitely more than that. <laughs> but but 200 feels, people care enough to pay us money to say, do this. I was going to say, but 200 feels significant. It's absolutely significant. And so I just want to say, from the bottom of our hearts, I think I can do... Yes. Thank you so much yeah. for listening to us all this time, 200 episodes of this. I cannot... Like 150 something I told, of me. I told Jordan that we were recording this today and he was like, 200? Like, I think it's... That's un- it? <laughs> well, well, I think he was like, he couldn't believe it. That's a large number. It's a huge number. Yeah. We're also approaching a million downloads. That's so exciting. Yeah. Oh, Right? That makes me so proud. I know. Thanks, guys. And so to celebrate this occasion, we, like we did for our 150th episode last year, um, asked you, our listeners, to send us some questions and talking points for us to discuss. Thank you for sending some in. Yeah. Honestly, too many, which was great. Which is a good problem because now we've got some content. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I don't know, I want to say, like, we asked for them via email and I got 15 over yeah. three weeks, which was great and enough for an episode. And then Annie asked over Instagram and got, like, 40 in the course of an hour. Not Instagram. And then, but then at the <laughs> same time, I, I told you, like... And one via phone call, yes, which was great. We got a, phone, a voicemail. Did we write... You wrote that down, right? Yes, I did. Okay. I have the questions on here. Um, we got a voicemail, which was fantastic. Um, and then I posted about it on Instagram because I assumed mm-hmm. a lot of people who follow me on Instagram listen to the podcast. But then I learned... No, somebody was like, Wait, what's, what's the name, the name of your, your podcast? podcast? And I was like, oh, I'm a terrible marketer. Whoops. Um, the name of our podcast is, is From, From the, the Front, Front Porch. Porch. <laughs> Subtitle, a collection of conversations. Book Small Business, Life in the South. And that's us. And so this is going to be probably a plus size episode. Yeah. I have not actually looked yet because we're still recording <laughs> and we're six and a half minutes in. But um, we got a lot of questions to get through. Yeah. Um, I organized these so responsible um into different categories okay um that i thought might be useful so we can do these really in any order okay but they are book related podcast related store related and life related and so where do you want to start um let's start with podcast related okay um i did not include any names okay of these so these are just questions from listeners i know some people like to include names and stuff but it was a lot of names (laughs) it was a lot of names and i think you did do a good job of trying to combine certain ones we got several questions that were very similar yes and so i just kind of combined those and that's what we got all right and so this is i'll paraphrase this one it's kind of a long one a listener is a is a student studying geology okay who is interested in starting a podcast okay um, about their field. Um, that's fun. Yeah. And so they've asked us to talk about kind of how we got started doing this podcast, how much work it is per week. Okay. Um, if we enjoy what we do, any advice to up and coming podcasters? Okay. Um, I'll talk about it at first because you, you kind of are the guru now. So I'm just going to talk about how we got started. For sure. Um, which is on our website. Yes. So I actually, Katie Chastain, who used to own the bookshelf, approached me about starting the podcast. Um, so I went and did what I always do, which is I Googled it. Uh-huh. Um, and I found a really great resource um, from Elise 
Blaha Kripe. Um, she's like a crafting blogger, podcaster, Instagrammer. She does her own planner um, that has become really popular called the Get to Workbook, I think. Um, but she had on her blog a guide to starting a podcast. Mm-hmm. And I listened to a couple episodes her, of hers and I thought they were pretty decent quality because I knew we weren't looking for NPR style quality. Right. We just, I just needed to know how to do one. Um, so I believe she still has that resource on her blog. Um, also JC Verdicchio, um, J A C E Y. And then Verdicchio, we'll get a link in the show notes. She wrote a resource like kind of a PDF workbook mm-hmm. on how to start a podcast. And also since podcasting has blown up post serial, yeah. there are so many guides out there. And, and I guess what I'm saying is those guides, I think you might think surely there is more to it than this. There's not, there's not, um, podcasting. Don't, don't get confused is very easy. Yes. And very different. We're not talking this American lifestyle. No, the, that's, that's very different. Yeah. The kind of podcast podcasting that we do that the McElroy brothers do that, any number of free podcasts do yeah. is just talk into a microphone. Yeah. Um, it doesn't take a ton of setup. And it took us, like, we, the microphone we're using now is what? It's a, a what is it called? Oh, what it is? It's, yeah. Um, it's a Yeti. It, it's a Yeti blue. Yeah, but we didn't start that way. So, like, I guess my point is you don't have to start, you know that phrase that's all over the internet, like, don't compare your beginning to someone else's middle. Blue Yeti. Yeah. Yeah, don't, like... Just do it. I think that's my maybe that's my new advice yeah. as a business owner. Just do it. Just do Try it. Try it. See You'll if get you like better it. at it. Yes. And don't, yeah, don't judge. Don't try to do someone else's best. Yes. Right. Because um, you will fail, and then you'll feel bad. Yeah. So do what you can. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I will say too, one thing I I actually don't listen to a ton of book podcasts. I don't either. And I well, I learned this from Jamie Golden said that she doesn't listen to pop culture podcasts Mm -hmm. because she wants to make sure the podcast is really putting out original content. Um, We love the podcast, but I try really hard. We have a very different tone and vibe than they do. That's the only even book adjacent podcast I listen to Mm because they occasionally green light a book or two. But I... As much as I love Ann Bogle and Modern Mrs. Darcy, I don't listen to her podcast on the regular anymore because I didn't. Yeah, yeah, I'll listen to the occasional episode, like if it's um, somebody I'm interested in or books I'm interested in. But the book podcast that I started listening to for inspiration, I stopped once you and I got our groove. Right. And after we kind of settled in, I didn't want to listen to other book podcasts because I didn't want to influence us. Right. I don't think a geologist is going to have that problem. Probably not. I don't know how many rock podcasts <laughs> yeah. are out there. Um, I'm very interested to learn. I know. So if you, listener, start this podcast, like send us a link. Yeah, let us know. I, I want to know. And and I think just go for it would be my advice. Yeah. Um, probably the technical thing here you might be asking is like, how did these things get distributed? Yeah. Um, there are any number of ways to do that now. You can do them directly through Squarespace. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do them directly through Patreon. Mm-hmm. You can do them directly through um, a service that we use called Libsyn, um, which is liberated syndication or something like that. Right. Um, so L-I-B-S-Y-N. I know a lot of professional podcasters distribute their stuff through Libsyn. Yeah. Um, it is a monthly fee, um, but then they get you on iTunes, they get you on Stitcher, all that stuff. Libsyn was what Elise Kripe recommended, and I didn't even shop around. Mm-hmm. I just was like, okay, that makes sense. Um, they also give you great stats of how many downloads you got um, per episode, per week. Um, you can change that to look at 
whatever range you want to look at. So I, I do find the Libsyn tools very useful when I'm trying to figure out like what's working, what's not working, what yeah. should we do more of? Yeah. Um, I would also say that we worked with a, a small cheap mic for a long time. Yeah. And I noticed a very big difference when we switched to a mic that really wasn't all that expensive. Yeah. This mic that we got was like $120 or something yeah. like that on sale. So invest a little bit. Yeah. I And I think I'm kind of like that, except you want to make sure you're going to do it. Y- yeah, for so sure. So I wish we had invested earlier yeah. than we did, but I'm glad I didn't start sure. with this mic because what if this one What if it something, didn't work out? Yeah, what if this is something I didn't want to do? Absolutely. Um, and be willing to change and grow because yes. what we do now is not what the original mission of From the Front Porch was. No. Um, at all. No. Um, and so we do something a little different. We have changed as our audience has grown, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah. All right. Next question was, do you really record from the front porch? No. No. Let me... We did... <laughs> we used to. We used to. The sound quality was poor. Really bad. So now it's more the spirit of what happens on a front porch. Yeah. And so Annie and Katie, when they started the show, recorded on Annie's front porch. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started... On the show, um, permanently, we recorded in Annie's living room, mm-hmm. which you could still hear kind of the street noise yeah. a little bit, um, so that was okay. Um, as that that scheduling got a little more hectic, we started recording in Annie's old office at the bookshelf downstairs next to the bathroom. That was terrible. Those were the halcyon years, yeah. really. Um, <laughs> all the doors slamming and the pipes bathroom. flushing, and even when we would block the entrance to the bathroom so oh, that customers couldn't grouchy. get in. No, they would just push the cart out of the way and go in anyway. It was just terrible. Disregard the sign. It was it was not fun. Um, so now we record in what I call the podcast office, which is really a storage closet. It's a, stor- a giant storage closet. A, a big storage closet upstairs at the bookshelf. Um, we can still hear street noise. Exactly. And so that's what I like about it, that you can hear street noise. You can hear cars go by. You can hear the train, yeah. the Salvation Army bell. <laughs> um, and so it does give you kind of the feel. Yeah that we're looking for but not but not and i think early like katie's brother was occasionally helping us with sound and we would record some porch noises separately and like uh-huh. pipe them in first of all that was a lot of work and yeah. felt inauthentic to me yep. um but truly from the front porch yes originally came from oh we'll record on my front porch but it really does stem from this idea of the front porch as a gathering place uh-huh. i when i moved to thomasville and we bought our very first home I, that was the only thing I cared about. Did we have a front porch? Because I grew up with one. Mm-hmm. It's this, and I, I think it is predominantly Southern, but I think other places experience it too. It's just this idea that you sit and visit. Yeah. Like, and that's what Chris and I are doing. Definitely. Like we're sitting and chatting with each other. There's really no agenda. This thing that in our listener survey months ago that people really seem to note was just our, our chemistry, our banter, the fact that we just chat and that people feel when they listen to us that they're just hanging out with their friends. Right. Like, that, thank that's, you. Yes, that, that's, that's, what, that's exactly what we're going the goal. for. Yeah. <laughs> um, that is exactly the goal and the purpose of our show. So I'm glad that's working. Yes. Um, Even so, if it's not on a literal front porch. Yeah, it's a metaphorical front porch. Do you record together or via Skype? Skype. I don't know why I said that so weird. <laughs> Skype. Um, we record together. We are sitting next to each other currently. I don't know if... I mean, I'll be curious if we ever do have to like do long uh-huh. distance... I don't know if you and I are made for long distance. I don't think so. Um, <laughs> we recorded one episode. Yes. Um, I don't we, remember why. You were at a conference or something? No, I was at my house. Oh. We just couldn't make it work. I guess. I think we needed it 
that day. day probably so it was like a Wednesday okay. and the show was going to come out and I didn't have time to drive up maybe I had to teach in the afternoon so we okay. recorded one in the morning I don't remember um, but it was the um, by the book with Annie and Chris I don't remember which episode number but that's what it was where we did the New York Times by the book and it was fine yeah but but weird I think anybody we don't interact with each other the same way no and I think and maybe if we did Skype or FaceTime uh-huh. this was over the phone right and you just can't see people's faces mm-hmm. and like and so it's harder to bounce reactions off of people half of what we do is reactionary yeah <laughs> So like Absolutely. me looking at Chris's face or him looking at mine. And so and we're, I, I've said this before, but like you're missing out on half the show <laughs> just by virtue of the fact that it's a podcast. Cause we're extremely expressive people. Yes. And I'm a big time hand talker. Absolutely. Yes, she <laughs> so, is. So, so anyway, we record together. Yep. Favorite podcast guest. We did a lot of these when I started, mm-hmm. we have, Moved away from the guest format, although we do have several bonus episodes on Patreon. We've moved them to Patreon, yeah, because that's where I think they're better suited. Yep. Um, I think you and I probably have the same one. If I had to guess, um, I do love love it or loathe it episodes, mm-hmm. just because I really like the format. And Hunter and Emily have their own bookish opinions yeah. that are very different. They're they're recurring guests. Yeah, but I think my favorite guest was C.J. Hauser. C.J. Hauser has been such a great guest. She just is a good, not every guest can adapt to the podcast format, Yeah. Um, but I really think she adapted well to it. For sure. She was one of the first interviews yes. that you did solo, yep. um, and then we brought her back a couple dozen episodes ago to talk about short stories, yeah. um, and she's you know my friend, and so yeah. <laughs> made it easy to just yeah, kind of talk to somebody we know. It. Yeah, um, I mean, But you're right. No, she was a phenomenal guest. And I really did love a year ago recording with Jamie Golden, uh-huh. which is almost a bo- more of a bonus yeah. episode. But I think you can tell if you listen to the podcast, Jamie is so extroverted and so quick mm-hmm. that it just was very easy to yeah. record with her. For sure. Because there's not a lot of blank stares. The rhythm is easy. Yeah. She she was a really great guest for that reason. Yeah, no, that, and that was a lot of fun to listen to, even though I wasn't there. Um, so that, those are good answers. Okay. Um, I think it would be interesting if you talked about what episodes of the podcast you liked the most or what episodes were the most fun to plan out or record together or just your favorite memories from recording all the episodes. And so I'll go back to the, the halcyon days of recording in the in the bathroom closet. Yeah. Those were such fun, I like, as frustrating as they were. I have really fond memories of just the... You and me, like, knee to knee. In knee the... to knee in this <laughs> tiny, tiny little office. Um on that terrible little mic um, with all these people just coming into the bathroom next yeah. door. And it was like, we can hear everything that's going on in oh, there. Oh, no privacy. Oh, it was horrible. No um, privacy. Although that's not really exactly what this listener is asking. Um, CJ Hauser's episode is one of my favorites, the, the short form episode. Um, I also really like when we've done book flights. I like book flights... I guess I am a lot like fellow listeners. I like the consistency of reading recaps. Yep. Just because, as you mentioned at the top of the episode, like so much of From the Front Porch has had to grow and change. Mm-hmm. And, and those and, are the same. And for a good reason. But reading recaps are something that I think I can actually point to and be like, this was our original idea. Uh-huh. I was doing reading recap. I mean, 
people recap their books all the time. But like <laughs> I ca- like I called them reading recaps back in 2008 when I started my blog. So mm-hmm. it feels like this is something that actually feels like ours. Yep. It's not something we've captured and adjusted to right. make ours. Um, so I really do like those episodes. Um, I also have fond memories, and we mentioned this a couple episodes ago, of recording in your house. Oh, yeah. Um, with the food. With the food. That was a good one. Because that was real good food. Um, and I do remember when, because I was recording alone, and I remember one time sitting on my bed um, recording um, a reading recap by myself, and I was like, I don't know how this is interesting to people. I am just talking. <laughs> and I think I went to you the next day because uh-huh. you had been on as a guest because I always uh-huh. had staffers on as guests. And I was like, would you be interested? And you were like, yeah. Like, you barely let me finish my sentence. And I was like, okay, good. Then this is a good sign that he'll want to do this too. And then I also, I still love recording with Jordan. Yeah. March Madness. Those I are always fun. fun. Yeah. I also really enjoyed the one we did with Sterling about the news. You know why I loved that one? You, I think you know this already. But I think you and I were both kind of nervous yeah. about recording with him. Yeah, I mean, cards on the table. We were not sure how an interview with Sterling was going to go. Yeah. Um, it was one great of my dude, favorite. Great dude, but sometimes hard to talk yeah, to. Yeah, well, and I a podcast, like I said, yeah. isn't for everyone. Exactly. But he wound up adjusting to it so, so well. well. Yeah, that's a great episode. I really I liked that, that one. Yeah. Oh, good call. Um, so that's all our podcast questions. Books. Books. Okay. Back up to books. One of my favorite questions, which is one we got very early in the question asking process, was a request for us to kind of revise the Great American Read. Okay. We did that episode a few weeks ago, talking about the top five and our reactions to that. We got a lot of feedback on that. We got a lot of feedback. Um, mostly about Outlander. Um, Ooh, you Outlander fans. I, I'm, I'll just, I'll speak for Annie here. Annie's probably never going to read Outlander. <laughs> it's not her thing. And like, it's fine. It's good that you like it. Yeah. You don't, like, a- Annie's probably not ever going to read it. <laughs> I might, I, I can't decide if I might try the first one, but I will say a lot of, um, the feedback I got really confirmed why I haven't read yeah, those. Like Exactly. Yeah. There's just some content in there that I'm probably going to feel kind of ambivalent about. Yeah, and like yeah. the time changing thing. Like, yeah. meh. Um, so I might try it, but um, don't worry, Outlander fans. Like, you're, you can still have yeah, your fandom. I, I affirm you. I am glad yes. that you like this book. Yes. Annie is probably never going to read it. <laughs> um, but this, this listener asked us to kind of come up with a list of 10 or so books Um contemporary books so i made this like post 1988 roughly although we didn't really stick to that okay um that were not um on this list of the great american read okay and so we can alternate or we can just go 10 for 10 okay so the first one i thought of was never let me go by kazuo ishiguro Hmm. we don't have a ton of time to talk about these but there was a great movie adaptation with andrew garfield and carrie mulligan and Kira knightley a few years ago um but it's about how clones are people too Okay. Uh, mine is different uh, from the mix-up files of Mrs. Basil Frank Weiler. Which we talked about last week. Talked about it last week. It's a children's chapter book, um, but I think if we're not going to have Little Women, Anne of Green Gables, like if we're, those were already mentioned on the uh-huh. Great American Read. So I think this is one of those books that I think if you find someone else who has read this, mm-hmm. you find an immediate kindred spirit. Yeah. Um, I liked The Road by Cormac McCarthy. Oh, and was kind of shocked that wasn't on the list, that right? Wasn't on the list. It's a very popular book for good reason. It's very well written, lyrical, lyrical and beautiful. Although the content is sometimes very, very horrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, highly recommend. 
Uh, I decided on Life of Pi. I love Life of Pi. I had it on my list too. I love it too. And I am shocked that it wasn't included. Me too. I'm shocked because it's one of those books that you can read as a young adult. Uh And then you can also read it as an adult and get something maybe entirely different from it. I think I read it when I was like 21. Yeah. And it was very informative and very... encouraging to me at that stage in my my life i remember really loving it yeah. and i haven't read it since but it's one of those books that stuck with me for a yeah. while um cloud atlas by david mitchell oh, yeah. uh, movie not very good but the book as complicated formally as it is is so good and beautiful um cannot recommend enough i'm gonna go with a little life mm. which is a book that wrecked me um, but in the best possible way. And it was a book I needed to read. Mm. Um, we read partly, I think, to inform ourselves on people who are different from we, from us uh, and who are experiencing life differently than we are. And so I really loved A Little Life. And don't let the page count fool you. Yeah. Don't no, let it, that deter it's, you. It's big, but you can do it. Yeah. Um, I Like to Visit from the Goon Squad by Jennifer Egan. We've talked about this. One day we're going to record an episode where we make each other read books. Someday. We have time to read them. Yep. Um, it's a Pulitzer Prize winner for a reason. Underground Railroad. Mm, Colson uh, Whitehead. By Colson Whitehead. It is so good. And I think it's one of those books. I don't, I try not to speak in hyperbole, but like I do feel like every American should read this book. Yeah, for sure. Um, the Secret History by Donna Tartt. Oh, yeah. How was this not on there? I can't believe that. We sell this book like crazy because Ooh, all of us love all it. All of us love and it. And all of us hand sell it. Yeah. Oh, and it is a book that consistently, like, it still sells for us. I I think The Goldfinch might be on there. I think it is. And so, why? Yeah. Um, I'm going to say what we all were thinking, Mm -hmm. which was Station Eleven. Station Eleven. Like, I don't know if it's because maybe it was a success in our bookish world and wasn't a success commercially, but that can't be true. It was on the bestseller. It was on the bestseller list forever. Um, This is a book that if you keep rolling your eyes because you hear people talk about it and you're like, whatever, too many people talk about it. It is that good. It's really good. And it should have been on that list. Yep. The Time Traveler's Wife by Audrey Nifanegre. Oh, what a good choice. Thank you. I am shocked that that wasn't on there. Right? Great book club book. Mm-hmm. Really hits that target audience. And the last hundred pages will wreck you. Oh, they're so You will not dumb. stop crying oh, for a hundred pages. That's true. It's in, in the best way. Yeah, you'll Ugh, feel really I good. love that book. You'll I really want to reread it. Oh, that's a great one. Um, I picked another children's book, Bridge to Terabithia. Yeah, how was that not on there? I do not know. Like, Charlotte's Web was on there, and I get it. Those are classics. I do not understand why this wasn't included. No, that is a classic. This is a book that is one of those that, as a child, like, I realized, oh, when you read, you also sob. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, one of my favorites that I've talked about a ton, um, How to Live Safely in a Science Fictional Universe by Charles Yu. Um, I assigned this to my freshman class a few years ago, and they almost universally adored it. Like, it's, it's weird, and it's about a time travel repairman, a time machine repairman. <laughs> um, it's metafiction. Like, it's, it's very heady and weird, but also super accessible if you just give it a shot. Love it. I'm going to go with Wise Blood mm, by Flannery O'Connor. Was, were any Flannery O'Connor books on... I don't know if I they I don't were. know. So her complete short story collection won the National Book Award. Which is, you know, it's just the collection of her stories that she did not arrange. No. Um, but if you're going to start somewhere, I think you start with Wise Blood. Yeah. Um, or Good Man is Hard to Find. Good Man is Hard to Find was my other option. Yeah. If you're gonna... Really, that's a collection. Um, oh, it's such a good collection. Very, very good. Um, 
Big one, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. I saw this on yeah. Amy's shelf yeah. um, and remembered how much I really liked that book. Yeah. Um, it's by Susanna Clark. It's really hard to talk about. It's set in Napoleonic France and what's going on um, across the channel in England. So it's kind of historical fiction, but like with magic. Okay. That's the best way I can talk about it. <laughs> that's good. Like the fairy world is kind of impinging on the real world, but like the kind of dark Celtic fairy world, not the Tinkerbell world. Okay. I love Element OP, mm, which yeah. is on a podcast difficult to explain. Ella, like the name. Minnow, like the fish. And P, like the food. Um, the reason I think this should have been on the Great American Read List is because I read this with my book club, and it's about a community on the coast who starts losing the ability to use the letters of the alphabet. So one by one, the letters are disappearing. So there's just so much to think right. about. And the book, the author drops the letters. Right. As they're not As the letters to, disappear. Oh my gosh. And you would think that's too heady for me, like that's confusing. It wasn't. It was a really well-told story, um, but then so much fodder there for a book club discussion mm -hmm. or even an academic discussion. Right. Um, so anyway, super accessible, but really deep. Um, and then the last one I picked because we both had Life of Pi, so yes. I've got a list of nine, which is totally fine. Um, and it's also not in... Every other book that I listed is... I think from 2000 forward, except for maybe Secret History. Um, so that's pretty good. That is good. Um, but then this one's from 1980. It's The Name of the Rose by Umberto Eco. Oh, also yeah. on Amy's shelf downstairs. Yeah. Funny. Um, probably my favorite book ever. Um, really did change the way that I think and interact with the world. Um, extremely difficult. I'll just put that out there. And it helps to have a degree in medieval literature. <laughs> um, but even if you don't, I got through it the first time when I was 20. Oh. And didn't know anything, yeah. so it works. So try it. Yep. Um, my last two, and I'm just going to pick here, um, The Glass Castle. Oh, yeah. By Jeanette Wall. I'm shocked that wasn't yeah. on there. And I, you know, especially since so many book-to-movie adaptations were on the For list. For sure. Um, I actually liked the movie adaptation of this, too, with Brie Larson. Um, but I know not everybody did. Um, it's, if you are a fan of Educated... Mm -hmm. The Glass Castle is kind of the precursor yeah. to that. Um, so really great memoir. And I think that list could have benefited from a memoir or two. Definitely. Um, the second one is a collection of um, short stories called Redeployment by Phil Clay. It won the National Book Award a few years ago. Mm -hmm. I loved this book. And again, kind of like A Little Life. It's about war and it and people who fight our wars for us and what happens when the, they are deployed again or mm -hmm. what happens when they come home. And it's just a, sec, a segment of American life I don't know very much about. Right. Um, and so I even hesitate to use the word love because it was so hard like and harsh reading. Yeah. Um, it, he does not mince words. Um, but I think pretty valuable for Americans. Yeah. Um, so Redeployment by Phil Clay. Um, let's do some quick ones then. Okay. Um, what book have we read that we are embarrassed to admit to having read? This is hard for me because I don't know that I'm embarrassed anymore. Yeah. Like, I thought of Bachelor Nation, but I'm sure. really not embarrassed uh -huh. that I read that. Like, it is what it is. I thought of The Wedding Date, which was a little too sexy for Annie. Um, you know what book I did throw across the room as a, college, as a high school student and I never finished it? Was I Kissed Dating Goodbye. Oh, yeah. And then I read in college, Wild at Heart. And I think if I read that now, I would have a very different reaction. You would. I Yes. <laughs> Definitely. I'm sure. Um, so those are books that I'm not... But I hesitate to say I'm embarrassed to have read them because I think books 
help us think better. Sure. So counterpoint. Okay. I read this book called Chariots of the Gods? Okay. Question mark by Eric von Doniken. Question mark because you don't. No, that's in the title. Oh. Chariots of the Gods. Oh, okay. Um, it's the basis for the television series Ancient Aliens. Okay. Is this something that helped me really think okay. about the world? No. <laughs> No. Okay, probably not. Think also about like Holy Blood, Holy Grail, okay. like the book that the Da Vinci Code is based on. Okay. That's just like wild conspiracy theory based on nothing. That kind of book. Okay. And so, so maybe there are some things we should be embarrassed by. <laughs> there are some things that that don't deserve to be read. <laughs> okay, fair um, enough. In that vein, similar, very different, but kind of similar question. We talked in our um, journalism nonfiction episode a couple weeks ago about classics that are not worth our time. Okay. And so if you can think of two classics that are that definitely are worth your time and okay. maybe one that is not. Okay. Whew. I actually think a lot of classics are worth your time. I do too. I actually <laughs> had a hard time with this because I think most classics deserve to be read and yeah. deserve to be read in a context yeah. that makes them make sense. Um, okay. I'll go with The Pearl. Because, Steinbeck? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that's one that we have not talked about often on no. here. Um, I read it in high school, and I actually, it's one of the classics I'm actually really glad I read in high school because at the time my English teacher was extremely gifted, and so she was able to really bring that book to life. Right. Um, also, I think it's very accessible if you're out of the habit of reading classics. Mm. It's one of those thin little. little books that packs a punch. Um, so I'm going to go with The Pearl. And then I'm going to go with The Scarlet Letter. I still think The Scarlet Letter holds up. It does. And I think what happens to so many of these classics is they get assigned to 15 and 16-year-olds. Yes. Um, 15 and 16-year-olds in the late 90s, early 2000s, and today, like a variety station, um, are not the same as 15 and 16-year-olds of 1950. Right. Um, our education system is completely different. Our culture is completely different. And people aren't really grown up mm. mentally until they're 25 now. And I'll say that as a 28-year-old. Which is terrifying to it me. It is. And, I'll be honest. And I know that can sound condescending or belittling, but I teach 20-year-olds. Right. They're not adults. Right. By and large. Obviously, some of them are. But, like, they're not. And most of them don't have the emotional or cultural capacity or understanding to appreciate some of these things. Jordan's reading a book right now I would love your opinion on, but it's called The Coddling of the American Mind. I've heard of it. Yeah. Um, I don't know anything about it. He would be curious, I think, for your perspective because you're a um, professor. But... Yeah, but I don't know. Um, I have conflicted feelings about this because I want adults to be treated like adults, but yes. also some of them aren't ready for that. Well, and that's why The Scarlet, Scarlet Letter, yeah. I think, deserves to be read, especially in today's context, Yeah. Um, and deserves to be talked about. And I think it's one that we kind of are like, oh, that's outdated. Yeah. But it's and actually like, really not. It's boring. Like, right. whatever. It's like, not, though. It's not. It's really not. Like, my point is, as a 17-year-old, I loved that book. Yeah. If a 17-year-old loves it, then yeah. an adult can read I, it. I also really liked it in high school. And I'm not here to shame people into reading classics. If no. you don't want to read it, you don't have to read it. No. And I'm not going to be mad at you. No. And what I think doesn't matter. Although, I guess maybe it does. It matters a little. <laughs> a little um, so but if you're looking for classics. If you're looking, like, you can't go wrong with... A lot of them with, actually really do them. hold up. And so what's one that doesn't for you? Okay. And I'm sorry. I'll, perhaps I will get... Uh, clap back for this. I did not like The Alchemist. Oh. It's fine. And that's a new classic. That's from 1988. Yeah, it's fine. I 
I yeah. read it and thought, why is this a sure. classic? <laughs> and like, I read it a few years ago. I enjoyed reading it. Yeah. It was cute. It's a parable. It's a fable. But I like, if you're going to base your life philosophy on that, I think I've got questions. I think that's my issue yeah. is so many people I know didn't read it as, oh, that's cute. That's a really good story. Instead, they read it as like a life-changing yeah. title. And I did not find it to be no, that. No, definitely not. It actually did the opposite for me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is a cautionary tale of <laughs> how not to live. Yeah. Um, so for me, I will always go back to Brave New World, mm-hmm. my favorite classic for sure. I also really like Frankenstein, and I'll talk about this one for a second because I read it in high school and hated it. Okay. Didn't get it, thought it was dumb, didn't understand why the monster wasn't fun and scary. <laughs> but then I read it in college in a context that gave me the background for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had read Paradise Lost, and so I could appreciate all, everything that Mary Shelley is doing with Frankenstein, which is essentially... Paradise Lost fan fiction mm-hmm. um, in a lot of interesting ways. Um, and so I highly recommend books that talk about other books. Frankenstein is one of those. Brave New World is one of those. They are built on understanding other classics. Um, not so much 1984. Okay. Don't think it holds up. Don't think it's that good. I hate how people use, like, ooh, 1984 to talk about any kind of, like, apocalyptic yeah. thing. But they're not using it correctly most of the time. They're like, ooh, Big Brother's watching. No. No, the government's not watching. We are all watching each other. That's Brave New World. Okay. Interesting. (laughs) Not 1984. I don't think it's that good. I think it's super overrated. Um, Let's move on from those. Um, As booksellers, um, do we have a favorite publication that we use to consult for recommendations? I think Indie Next is fantastic. I agree. Um, because it is other independent booksellers across the country. Mm-hmm. And independent booksellers, this is what's really important about independent bookstores, they're located in all different places, and so you get to see what people all over the country are reading. Yeah. What people are reading in Thomasville is not always what is selling best in yeah, Chicago. absolutely. And so that's why I like Indie they're Next. community-based. Yes. Um, I also really like BookPage. BookPage is great. And most of your libraries and or indie bookstores at least we give BookPage away. Yeah. Um, and no, we, they're, they're free. We send Indie Next and BookPage to all of our Treacho Shelf subscribers. Yes. Um, I think BookPage is great because it's reviews and mm-hmm. really well done reviews and also um, author interviews, which yeah. sometimes I find really valuable. Yeah, sometimes they're really good. Yeah. Um, one more from this, I think. Um, what are our favorite cookbooks? My favorite one is The Can't Cookbook mm. by Jessica Seinfeld. Yeah. Um, it's... It should be your go-to wedding gift uh, for new new cooks or you know people who are living together for the first time. I thought I think can't cookbook. You know what? Maybe in our, in the world we're living in, it would actually be a great graduation gift. Yeah. Um, graduation wedding gift. I think it holds up. I also love any of Jamie Oliver's cookbooks. Yeah. Um, I stand by the joy of cooking. Okay. The like big doorstop. Um, it's not a great book of skills, I don't think. Mm-hmm. It doesn't teach you how to do a whole lot. It tries to, but I don't think it's very good at it. Yeah. But it has a lot of really good standard recipes yeah. that are just like things you should know how to make right. that are very basic. Um, in terms of newer ones, I really like Anthony Bourdain's last one, Appetites. Okay. Um, it's the opposite of The Joy of Cooking. It's all weird stuff that you wouldn't probably think to make Okay. Um, that are all delicious. You definitely have to go to some specialty grocery stores to make most of those dishes, but that's fun sometimes. Yeah, if that's your thing, that's really fun. Um, Okay. Um, Bookstore or personal? 
Bookstore, I will end on personal because personal sounds fun. That sounds good to me. Um, so what's it like, Annie, to be a woman who owns a business in the South? <laughs> um, I would love to talk to people individually about this one-on-one, but what I will say on the podcast is that actually in Thomasville, many of our local businesses are mm-hmm. women-owned, which I find fascinating, Very. particularly on our like main street. Um, so it's not like I'm doing this thing alone. Right. Um, there are several uh, other women-owned businesses in our area. But admittedly, I mean, I've said before, you know, one time working in the store, a gentleman came in and asked for the owner. I introduced myself and he said, no, they're letting eight-year-old girls run stores now. Yeah. So you get a little bit of that. Um, And I think I look young. um, And so I don't think it's just that I'm a woman. I think it's that I look younger than I am. And that you're small. And I'm small. I'm, uh, I... You know, I wish and hope that I come across bigger than I am, but I'm just a tiny person, mm-hmm. and so, and so I think that plays a big part. Um, so it is not without its challenges, um, but also, I, I find it to be really empowering too that um, I get to cultivate the kind of culture I want to create at the bookstore, um, and hopefully that's never a selfish culture. But what I mean is, hopefully the employees I have and the culture and the spirit I have in the bookshelf maybe are creating a new kind of Southern culture, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to change to change what that answer might be for someone in the future. Yeah. Yeah. So what inspires you in your day-to-day work at the store? Um, again, I don't want to... I, I felt like on the last episode, I didn't want to get too religious. But for me, my faith, um, and I, I firmly believe my responsibility is even bigger than just selling books. Um, and then my employees, like I, I think I never realized that owning a bookstore would also mean cultivating a spirit of camaraderie. Mm. And, um, I think you can, I thought that, you know, it's just selling books, which is great. I love selling books, but it's so much more than that. Um, and so for me, um, my, fellow employees and then obviously the books that I read and love all inspire me um, to hopefully to hopefully do this do this whole thing justice absolutely um, we talk a lot about some of the busy work um, <laughs> that's entailed yes. um, in owning the bookshelf can any of that be outsourced yes it absolutely can um, I think remember when we did the shelf subscription episode mm-hmm. and this was before we had stamps.com and ship station like before we printed labels like uh-huh. we hand addressed everything oh yeah and we got like bukus of mail like emails telling us why are you guys doing that there's an easier way here's the thing about running a small business often there is an easier way and whether that's through outsourcing or through um paying for some other service but the reality is as a small business you have to wait until you be able to afford those things exactly so um the short answer is yes bookkeeping, um, maybe even some of the quote-unquote human resources stuff could be outsourced to someone, um, but all of that comes with a cost. And so some of the accounting I have already outsourced, um, but much of the bookkeeping I am doing myself at first so that I can get a grasp of what kind of business I'm running um, with the goal being in 2019 to get a bookkeeper um, to help me out. But again, you have to be able to you have to make sure you can afford that kind of Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. So everything comes with a cost. Um, what age group do you primarily see in the store? I'll be interested to see what you think of yeah. this. Um, I think 
Thomasville is primarily baby boomer. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then on Saturdays, yeah. a wide range of young families, college students. Young 20s and young 30s. Yeah. 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 On Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not on the floor very much, but I, I think that's still accurate. Yeah. I think mostly baby boomers during the week, um, although we do get some young families. Mm-hmm. Um, and then weekends skew much younger. Absolutely. Thanks, um, Tallahassee. Yeah. Thank, <laughs> thank you, Tallahassee. Um, is it awkward when customers ask us for an opinion on books that we don't like? Um, we just talked about this in our staff meeting a couple weeks ago. Yes, we did, because I did have never thought about this. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like I feel like I am honest to a fault. It's why sometimes I have to be careful on the podcast. Like, even answering some of these questions. I'm like, Ooh. yeah, like because I'm so on it. Like, right. I just somebody. I didn't even realize. Like, I posted something on Instagram or something, and somebody was like, like a fellow business owner was like, "Do you really think you should have said that?" I was like, "Why not?" Like, it doesn't occur to me Whatever. to filter myself. So if a customer comes in and asks, this happened the other day. I do not. I'm sorry to say, I don't remember the book. Um, but they asked specifically about the book and I was like, you shouldn't buy that. (laughs) Like, I think I, and partly it was because I knew the customer. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was able to sell them something else. Um, so the short answer is I do not find it awkward because I think that's why people come to an independent bookstore. Absolutely. They want to hear your honest opinion. Yeah. I've never felt awkward about it. Generally, I can say something along the lines of like, Personally, like right. this isn't for me. Yes. However, other people have read this and they enjoy it for these reasons. That's right. Um, and so that's kind of a good sales deflection technique. Yeah. Um, and we use that a lot because because book books are so personal. Yeah. And so a book I hate, somebody else might really love. Yeah. And I don't want to deter somebody from buying a book they might love, but I also want to give honest feedback. Absolutely. Um, are there any other bookstores in Thomasville? Rayanne's Christian Bookstore. Rayanne's Christian Bookstore is a block down the street. Yep. Um, they carry, you know, Bibles and devotional stuff. Yeah. They think about them as like a locally owned Lifeway yeah. store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when people come in looking for those things, we don't typically stock those things. We yeah. can order them if you want them. But typically we tell people to go to Rayanne's because that's why they exist. I believe in the Miracle on 34th Street uh, code of customer service. Yeah. Which is, if Macy's didn't have it, Gimbel's did. Mm-hmm. And so I very much feel like if I don't have it, I can order it for you. Or if or, you want it right now, go down the street to Rayanne's. Please go to Rayanne's and support this other business. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Um, that's it, though. That's it. We don't have a Barnes & Noble or Books Million. And I think that's something important to note. Absolutely. For people who are like, I want to start a bookstore in my town. I do want to be realistic and say, we do not face, knock on wood, but we do not face competition from Books A Million, right. Barnes & Noble, or guys, Target. Yeah. Target got them some cheap books. Target, <laughs> I am continually amazed. And good selections. Absolutely. Oh, it makes me so mad. Whoever runs Target books is doing a great job. Oh, it makes me and so mad. And look, I bought some trade paperbacks from there. They're like, oh, I'm sorry, the mass market paperbacks from yes. there. They're like six bucks yeah. for the whole book. And but I'm like, like their, their book prices are almost Amazon-esque. They really They're are. They're so it's, cheap. It's terrifying. Oh, it makes me so mad. But... Their stuff is like 30%, I think, yes. and Amazons are 40 Yes. Yeah. It's bananas. Yeah. Um, but... In Thomasville, we don't have any of those stores. Right. So I do think the bookshelf benefits from that. We absolutely do. And what was um, Thomasville's favorite bookstore several years ago <laughs> in, a, in a poll? Right. Uh, keep in mind the bookshelf has been open for 30 plus years. Uh-huh. Um, I Only believe- and by Oni. Oh, <laughs> owned by Annie <laughs> and by Oni um, for the last six? Five. Five? Yeah. Um, Walmart. 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 Thomasville's Thomasville favorite bookstore. <laughs> 
2011, <laughs> let's say. What is that? Well, it's Walmart. Just sometimes you're not loved in your own hometown. Yeah. I don't think that's prof- true anymore. Prof- has no honor in his hometown. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's true anymore, but... But it was... It was true several years ago. Point, which is just so sad. <laughs> um, how much does social media affect the store's annual income? Uh, short answer, a lot. <laughs> short answer, a lot, and yet not. Because here's the reality. We are not Amazon. No. So when you click the link, bookshelfthomasville.com, to buy books, you probably can't find what you're looking for. Right. Um, what we keep on our website is a curated selection of our store favorites, and then there's an order form. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know that that requires a whole lot more effort than going on Amazon and clicking you know, the book you want. And, and we appreciate every click That's that right. you go through to order from us. That's right. It really matters. It really does matter. So I don't know overall... But I will say in the past two years, we have been able to launch services like the Shelf subscription service, mm-hmm. like Treat Your Shelf. Uh, we've been able to grow our podcasts because of social media, and those things affect the bottom line. Social media is super weird. You'll see yeah. it all the time. The algorithms are strange. We don't know who's seeing our posts. Right. It's why even when you can't purchase from us, and we understand that sometimes it's a hassle or sometimes it's more expensive than you're willing to pay, any like or comment you give us matters immensely because of Instagram's yep. weird and Facebook's like weird algorithm. It helps us show up in other people's feeds. Yes, and that matters. Like anybody who finds out about our podcast or who buys a shelf subscription, like that makes a big difference. So it's hard to put like a firm number yeah. on it, but I will say our long distance customer base over the past two years has grown immensely. Yeah. Um, it's a significant number. Yes, because of social media. Yeah. Um, and because of the podcast. So Again, I can't give you a firm number, but I will say five years ago when um, I took over the bookstore, this bookstore did not have an Instagram account. Sure. So, <laughs> so like, so imagine then the growth, I think the growth is natural, yeah. um, but then the past two years we've really grown significantly, um, partly for our bottom line for sure, and then partly just marketing, yeah. which ultimately helps the bottom yeah. line. No, our brand has... Yes. <laughs> meteoric rise yeah I don't know although I don't know where yeah, like that's the other thing weird. like it's a we like I can't quite figure out because one of my goals for the bookshelf this was probably when I very first took over or maybe two years ago I just wanted us to be recognized regionally yeah so like I mean this is dreaming big but like Parnassus or mm-hmm. something like that I don't think we're there yet um but I can't tell how recognizable we are in our region because so many of the comments on our Instagram are like I want to. T- I want to go here. Yeah. Like oh, I can't wait to take this trip. But I don't think they're Southerners. Right. I mean, I don't know. I feel, and we should know, I guess, from the survey we did last yeah. earlier this year. But that that data was hard to quantify. Yeah, it was it's a hard. Lot. Um. So anyway, that was a yeah. long-winded answer. But um, what other subscription services are you thinking about offering? None right now. Zero. Let me tell you why. Ron Swanson said it best. Never half a many things when you should just be whole aing one thing um we need to whole a one thing yeah so i want our shelf subscription service and our treat your shelf service to be the best possible things yeah i know we're not going to be in competition with book of the month club because they just it's cheaper books and it's a great service and and we're not trying to compete with them yeah it's a different it's a different thing i can't but i will say that when i listen um i attended like this webinar about other stores other independent bookstores, subscription programs, most of the panelists said they could not maintain their subscription service because it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. And that was a wake-up call to me that we really needed to fine-tune our system because I want to be I want shelf subscriptions to be around for the long haul. Yep. So we the two subscriptions we have, 
which have multiple things underneath them. Yeah. Shelf subscriptions includes children's and adults. And several children yes. varieties. Yes. Treat your shelf. Those are kind of our two babies, and that's we want to raise those babies well. Yep. We want to <laughs> hashtag raise them right. That's right. <laughs> Um, question for Annie. How much time in a typical day do you spend at the store? Are you in an office or on the floor? That rhymes. Uh, it does rhyme. Thank you, Dr. Seuss. That, Everybody walk the dinosaur. <laughs> that's a hard question. I think I spend more time on the floor than a lot of other owners. And I don't say that as a point of pride. I just say it as I started as a bookseller. So it's almost like I've had a hard time adjusting Yeah. Um, to not being on the floor. Um, I bet I spend half a day on the floor. And half a day in my office. And that's five days a week? Six. Five. Five. Um, Saturdays, I spend all on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Tuesday through Friday, you're upstairs a little. Yeah. And then Mondays, I'm working from home. So I guess that counts as office hours. Monday. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Is that how that works? Um, a little bit. Mondays, I do try to take off. But occasionally, yeah. that means, you know, catching up on inordinate amounts of email. And running errands. Yeah. And doing stuff like but that. But it's... And, having um so olivia we hired her earlier this year that has been a huge help because she was a manager who actually came with retail experience experience. yeah Yeah. and that has made a huge difference in how i run the store it's given me a lot more um, flexibility Mm -hmm. to be able to trust um the manager to manage the floor because for a while there it really did feel like i was acting owner so i still co-owned with katie but i also really even when we had a manager was often acting manager mm-hmm. uh i often was still managing staff issues i was still and i have really tried hard hard this year to back away from that and that and was to, intentional and to lean on olivia who does a great job yes and that was intentional because this was the year we had to decide if we were going to buy right and i knew things were going to need to change a little bit yeah. if we bought so for sure yeah um, I think one more here, and okay. it's kind of stuff that you've a little bit answered, but I think my community needs an independent bookstore, but I have no idea where to start. What information do I need before I can begin thinking about opening one? First, I will point you to um, the episode that we did called Owner of the Bookshelf. Yes. Um, that is kind of Annie's journey toward um, purchasing the bookshelf. Yeah, so that you can understand, I did not start the bookshelf myself. Right. I feel like that's really, I want to be really clear about Exactly. That. Um, I did um, not start this from scratch. But if you had a couple bullet point suggestions. You need to, in my opinion, and I didn't do any of this, by the way, um, but I would call up some other bookstore owners and see if you like what their day-to-day sounds like. Um, because, again, it's not just selling books. Right. Although that is still one of my favorite parts of this job. And I still make sure to do that. Like I, like I said, I think there are other owners who probably spend less time on the floor. Right. But I really like the floor, um, meaning I like to be on the floor selling books. So it's important to me to still be on the floor. Um, but I would call up some other local bookstore owners. I would also probably reach out to the Chamber of Commerce in your community mm-hmm. and really see if your community needs a bookstore. Or the, can sustain one. Or, yeah, that's the most important thing. Can they sustain it? Because financially, I need to be upfront with everyone listening. Bookstores don't make the profit you think they make. Or any. <laughs> um, because books don't have a big markup. Right. I don't want to get into details about that. Like, you can Google that. But, but like... But, like, <laughs> I, I, I want you all to, to pause and think about this. Think about how much books cost. Right. And then let us assure you... Books from production cost don't have a big markup. No. like we're Books are expensive to make, which is why they are expensive to sell. Right. And 
that is why when you walk into the bookshelf, I think contrary to some other bookstores in larger cities or in college towns that are only books yep. and some gift, yep. we are primarily books, but I think we're 75, 25, or 70, 30. I would have said 60, 40, but okay. 70, 30 is probably right. So 70% books, 30% gifts. And we work hard to make sure our gift product is worth it because that's where we make our profit. Right. So... You need to talk to somebody, or my recommendation, I'm not gonna tell you what to do. My recommendation would be to feel out your community. Is there a walkable space where your bookstore could be? Parnassus, for example, is in a strip mall, which is fine mm-hmm. if you're in Nashville. Right. Um, if the bookshelf, you can go there. Right, if the bookshelf were located in a strip mall in Thomasville, it would not sustain itself. No. It wouldn't. Um, part of the reason it is successful is because Thomasville is a quaint, small, adorable town. And that has can, a vibrant little main street. You can park your car and walk all up and down the street, which means we get foot traffic, which yep. is really important. Our regulars are super important, but foot traffic is also really important. Yep. So you need to figure out, can Location. your town sustain one? Um, and I think a chamber of commerce could help you with that. I even think you asking around, do you have a really great book club? Would your book club support your bookstore? Like those are the kind of thing, would your peers shop with you? Right. Um, those are some questions you need to ask. So I would talk or email or call up some other bookstore owners they're all incredibly kind generally speaking um and they will answer your questions or at least try to and then really feel out your community and figure out can your town sustain one all right let's switch into our last category here i'm gonna i'm gonna skip some of the longer ones okay um save them because we're at 56 minutes now (laughs) 57 nobody wants to listen to this this long i kind of think they do but whatever what are our astrological signs i'm an aquarius i'm a pisces um, sometimes it's accurate, sometimes it's not. Pisces is always accurate for me. Really? I'm a textbook Pisces. I'm half and half. Yeah. I, like some things I read and I'm like, oof, spot on. And then some things I'm like, oh. I Everything I read about Pisces ever, I'm like, yeah, that's it. But somebody, the person who asked this wanted to know if we keep track of that in the store. I don't. I don't no. know. I don't know anybody's birthdays. We're I way, know Kelsey's. We're way more into Myers-Briggs and we're so, Enneagram. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's our astrology. Um... How important is it to marry someone who is also a reader? As someone who is getting married next year, I will say very important. Mm -hmm. Um, Kelsey is a writer. She is getting her master's degree in writing. Um, Reads a lot more than I do now. Um, We have probably in our lives read about the same volume of books, just Mm -hmm. different kinds of books, and that is so important. Mm -hmm. Um, If we didn't have books as a common vocabulary or as a like common touchstone for different things and ideas that we talk about, I don't know what we would talk about. Yeah. Um, for me, I am super grateful that Jordan Jones um, is a reader. I would like to say I don't know how important it is for me personally to have married someone who was like the kind of reader I am, meaning sure. the avid reader. Like I'm glad Jordan is an attorney. Yeah. I'm glad his world is different from mine because we have some really fun conversations because we are living in very different worlds in, during our work week. Right. However, Jordan is. We met in the Great Books program. Right. We literally just read a book together every night before bed, like, like just this week. So. I am so grateful, and he reads books by listening to a lot of audiobooks. He's in a book club that meets here at the bookshelf. So Jordan is a reader, and I think that makes a difference. Yes. Because Jordan, 
I think can have Jordan is a great conversationalist. I think books make you great conversationalist. Yeah, they help generally. For sure. Yeah, and so Jordan and I, like you and Kelsey, can have these really great conversations, often based in something we've read. Yeah. So I think it's important that somebody be a reader, mm-hmm. whether that means they're an avid news reader, right, or or they're reading genres that are different from you. I don't know that you have to marry somebody who like reads the same way. You Absolutely do. not. Like I read more history than anything else these days. Yeah. History and comic books. Those yeah. are my two yeah. polls. Kelsey reads neither of those things. Right. And, and that's okay. And that's, and that's good. good. Yeah. And I totally think it obviously depends on your personality, but I'm glad I read, I married a reader. Yeah, me too. Um, which episode of friends is your favorite? Uh, I have two. One, my favorite in high school was the one with the prom video. Um, because I think back then I was really invested in that Rachel, Rachel Ross storyline. Um, now I think I love all the Thanksgiving episodes, but my favorite episode is the one where they compete for the apartment mm. and Phoebe finds out she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it's fun that like trivia game they play. Yeah. I love that episode. And I've, I've seen all of friends once. Okay. And so that's very different from your relationship with friends. Yes. The one that sticks out to me is one of the Paul Rudd episodes. Okay. When he is like pantomiming keyboard in the coffee shop, uh-huh. I think. Is it in the coffee shop or in an apartment? Probably. Um, that scene sticks out to me because I love young Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd is so great. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> um, how do we, Chris and Annie, feel about musicals? Love them. Positive. Love them. Uh, I'll make one exception. Jordan Jones loves musicals, but like loves like Les, Les Mis. Mis. Yeah. He That's, likes a serious musical. It's like a little it's, too much It's for more me. an opera than a musical. Yeah, like we watched Les Mis in the theater. I'll never forget this because I feel like it was opposite of most couples in that theater's reactions. Jordan Jones was like tearful. He thought it was so good. And I was like, they just sang the whole time. <laughs> they didn't even talk. Like in Mary Poppins, they talk. That was us trying to watch <laughs> Jesus Christ Superstar a couple weeks ago. And Kelsey was just like... Is it all singing? Like there's no dialogue? And it's like, yeah. Yeah. We didn't make it through. Yeah. Um, I I love musicals. I've been into musicals since I can remember. Yeah. Um, embarrassing. I really, I still really like Rent. Oh, yeah. It doesn't hold up, but it totally does. I still love that song. 525. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I was always a theater adjacent kid. Yeah. I was a theater kid. Like I, all my, many of my friends were in theater. I painted a set or two. Uh, my favorite musical is Fiddler on the Roof. That's my dad's favorite. It's really good. It's I was so good. I was in it in high school. It's it was so good. Fun. Um, what do you do when reading is no longer fun? Watch TV. <laughs> it's absolutely watch TV. <laughs> I get. I'm sorry. That's just the honest answer. Because let me assure you, there are times, and I hate to say this, but there are times when it has lost its fun. Absolutely. Just because the sheer quantity I'm trying to read, yep, same and for, for me. you, like yeah, the quantity and level you're trying to read. So, unfortunately, when it's no longer fun, I either read something really fun, like YA or a thriller. Uh-huh. But, like, I'm reading a thriller right now that's probably going to be on the epi- on the bonus episode of Do Not Finish because it's so bad. Excellent. Um, but I either read a thriller or a, or a um, YA book or I just turn on that Netflix. <laughs> it's, it's always Netflix for me. I love A Great British Bake Off. Oh, did you have you seen the most recent? Episode? Um, I'm watching it now. Look, I thought that I would lose interest with No Mary Berry, but no, no, not true. I think Prue is Prue delightful. Prue is fantastic, and, and Noel and Sandy are also great. They're delightful. And so Jordan loves Noel. He can't uh, get over him. He yeah. thinks he's fantastic. He like is. even Jordan got hooked this season. Yeah. Like we watched it together. I couldn't watch it by I, myself. I've watched three. I think oh, maybe four. So good. Uh, super good. 
Um, what's our unpopular opinion about the holidays? My unpopular opinion is that Christmas gets too much press. I think the entire month of October should be Halloween, the entire month of November should be Thanksgiving, and the entire month of December should be the other ones. I think I'm with you on that. Um, and that's it's hard in retail, but I, in my personal life, that's what we try to do. It's like we should have more Thanksgiving, if anything. Yeah. Um, my unpopular opinion, and I'm sorry we don't need to debate it, I understand it's problematic. I still like Baby It's Cold Outside. Yeah. I'm sorry. And the non-problematic version of that is Let It Snow. Which I also like. Yeah, me too. Um, all right, let's, let's close out here with the last couple that are about me. No, we won't <laughs> close with those, but I do want to get to those. Um, and then we'll close with, the, with another couple. Okay. Um, when is Chris going to be done with his program so we can hear more about the books he's reading? <laughs> okay. We got so a few of these. We did. Um, I responded to one of them directly. Okay. Um, poor Chris. I am currently writing my dissertation. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. If you read our Patreon newsletter, you've seen a little bit of insight into that. There's also some existential crises happening. (laughs) Yeah, there's just a lot going on. And so I'm working on it. It's very difficult. I'm really trying hard to graduate in May of 2019, which means that I need to finish my dissertation by March, which means I've got four months to write another... 150-ish pages. Do it. It's gonna be fine. Um, I'm gonna do it. I believe in you. If that doesn't happen, though, I will definitely graduate in July. Okay. And that's not that bad. I can pay for one summer semester out of pocket. I think it'll be okay. Um, so that's that. A related question um, was um, why why don't we ever hear um, from Chris about what he's reading? <laughs> well. Partially because you don't care. Um, You don't want to know about all the academic articles I'm reading. Um, I read a lot in November, actually, um, but I read like 500 pages of 15th century English. Right. Um, Like they care because they want to know, because you read differently from me. Yeah. But they, but it, what they would want to hear is visits from the goon squad. You know what I mean? Right. And so like, in terms of contemporary fiction and nonfiction, I have not read any of that in six months. Right. Um, I've read a couple short stories, yeah. um, but like I read half of Sir Thomas Mallory's Mort D'Arthur this month. Mm-hmm. It's a big boy. It's a thousand pages of Middle English, but that's what, <laughs> that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, I also read for the classes that I teach, but I teach medieval literature and translation. So that, that's what I read. So, and, it, and it is different. Yeah. You know, a year or two ago, you were reading different uh-huh. books for your Exactly. Classes. I was reading... I taught a short story class a couple years ago. Right. I taught a, a couple novel classes. I taught a women in lit. And so like, this that is was just more fun. a season. Yeah. Definitely. Um, other related question is... I think this is a great question. I'm wondering if and how the podcast is going to change once Chris finishes his PhD. I'm guessing that might mean moving away. So wondering if you've talked about it. We have not talked about we it. We have not. Or avoiding that conversation. My here's what I what my dad has always told me: don't borrow trouble till it's there. Yeah. So like, I believe that. So like for me, we're gonna ride this train. We're gonna keep doing what we're doing because people seem to like it. Yeah. And we'll figure that we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Um, longer answer though: um, if I finish my degree program in May or July, I'm going to live in Tallahassee for another year because Walk my 
because my betrothed is still finishing her degree. That's right. Um, and she'll finish in 2020. So I'll at least be here through May 2020. I was about to say, so I feel like it's so far, like maybe if it was happening in 2019, we right. would have had a serious conversation about it. But like we got another year. Yeah. So we're fine. We'll be fine. But we'll keep you posted. We won't leave you hanging. Yeah. No, you, you won't be the first to know, but, but you, you won't, won't be, be the, the last. last. <laughs> um, our tagline is life, small business and life in the South. Book, small business and life. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Can but you we do I've, talk a lot about life. Can you tell I've been recording for two hours? Um, <laughs> book, small business, and life in the South. Um, but, and this will be our last question, if you weren't living in the South, where else might you like to live? People are going to laugh at me. Yeah. But I would like to live in either D.C. or New York. I, that makes sense. I, Those are places. They, they are places. And Jordan and I have had this conversation at length. We tried to live in a bigger city after mm-hmm. he graduated law school. Um, like he tried to get a clerkship, blah, blah, blah. Because I wanted us to do that for at least two years, which mm-hmm. a law clerkship would have been. I'm an introvert. I actually think the anonymity of a larger city would be fun, <laughs> at least for a short period of time. Um, so I know that, like, I know the New York that we see in the movies is not necessarily the New York that really that exists. exists. I understand that D- this DC we see portrayed, um, but but I think I would like a larger city and and that's outside the south if we were talking in the south i i like savannah i would yeah. live in savannah but if we're talking not in the south um i just think dc or or new york would be where i would try yeah i mean my first instinct of where i would like to live that isn't here would be like atlanta area mm-hmm. um perhaps even like north carolina like chapel hill area mm-hmm. that are like that's more like a college town, mm-hmm. you know, many colleges there. Um, Atlanta is more urban. Um, so but still Southern. Those are still Southern. And so outside the South, I don't know. Um, I want to say something like Pacific Northwest, like Seattle. You could do that. I think I could live I see somewhere there. around there. I, don't, I would not want to live in the Northeast. I know that. Um, none of that is for me. Um, so maybe like a Colorado, even then oh a Colorado gosh, or a or a Pacific Northwest. Okay, that's fun. I think so. That was a fun question. That was a fun question. Thank you. And so that's how we're going to close out right. our two hundredth episode. Oh my gosh! Oh, truly, thank you. I mean, we say this all the time. I feel like this is a popular Instagram caption right now. That thank you barely begins to cover it. Honestly, but but it really does. I mean, I don't think I ever envisioned two hundred episodes no. later. <laughs> And that it would be this thing. Like, yeah. like this weekend was Small Business Saturday, and a girl came from South Carolina, um, Christy, I think is her name, and she came to visit because her sister in Virginia, they both listened to the podcast. Yeah. And, like, another woman came from somewhere else. Like, my point is, I just didn't know. No. I just had... I am still constantly surprised and amazed when you guys, like, plan your vacations around yeah, Thomasville. It's so sweet. It's so kind. And I... And Chris and I are just just talking we're just chatting <laughs> we're just chatting i'm really looking forward to the readers retreat I am too. in the summer I am so too. we can do a, a live episode because i've never been on one of our it's live episodes be so weird i know um live episodes are usually you and a guest yeah um so this will be fun yeah i'm excited about it they, and by the way reader retreat a great example of something that would not have been possible without the podcast, without the podcast. yeah there is so much that we could not do if it were not for our listeners and I, I don't understand why you listen to us, but I am thankful but that you do. You. Um, it's wonderful, and I love doing this, and I'm glad that 
I can. Yeah. And if we didn't get your to your question, that probably means... Yes. There were several questions that were submitted that we did not get to because we're pushing... We're, we're over an hour here. Um, I did save them in a document, though, and many of them we will return to in future episodes. Yeah. We, you guys have provided us with some great content, so thank yeah, you. Absolutely. I think that'll do it. All right. That'll do, pig. of sin oh my god oh my god oh my god from the front porch is a production of the bookshelf an independent bookstore in thomasville georgia it's produced by me annie jones and chris jensen and edited by chris jensen if you're interested in purchasing any of the books we've talked about on today's episode or previous episodes you can do so at bookshelfthomasville.com forward slash shop thank you as always to forlorn strangers for the use of our theme music it's called Bottom of the Barrel from their album Forlorn Strangers. Learn more at forlornstrangers.com. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch on Patreon and gain access to exclusive bonus content like What Annie Didn't Finish or Unpopular Opinions, you can check us out on patreon.com slash fromthefrontporch. You can also check out our website at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com for web-only content, a full back catalog of our show, with detailed show notes and links to further reading. This week in the bookshelf, a funny thing happened. So many things happened because it was Black Friday and Small Business Saturday. Just a lot happens. Um, I don't really want to tell the poop story, but instead I will, um, I will say that a woman came to the register and she said, you know, you're really missing out on some business by not carrying bookmarks. And I was like, oh, but we do have bookmarks, like lots of bookmarks. And there was just some confusion, um, but I was able to walk her around the store and show her bookmarks, which just is a lesson to everyone that it's a lesson to staff, to be clear and mm-hmm. explain things. But it's also a lesson, please ask. Yep. When you're in a store, especially a small business, please ask. There's no shame in asking. No, we would love for you to ask. And hopefully hopefully, we'll be able to give you the correct answer. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's, our, that's on us. <laughs> the, uh, that is the key. <laughs> Anyway, thank you so much for listening to 200 episodes of Us Chatting. We will see you next week for one more. Bye.